Welcome back to the Alternate Shot Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Matt. And I'm Dave. We are broadcasting live from three different locations. It's our first uh, international pod as I am in uh, Montreal in uh, Quebec. It's, uh, it's a new era for the podcast. Bonjour, Michel. Bonjour, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, inter- international pod. This is, uh, we keep breaking down pod, pod walls left and right, pod first. We did our first dial-in a couple weeks ago. Now we're, right. now we're international. I, I, what's next? Uh, my apologies for the quality of the audio. It's you know, as good as we can get via our uh, remote connections here, but uh, we do have a lot to go through. Um, it was an exciting week. Tiger Woods back in the, the I guess Tiger Mania is back. <laughs> The Genesis Open at Riviera. Um, it was uh, not what I wanted out of Tiger. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, but Matt, take us through our agenda for this year. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about from the Genesis. Uh, we'll talk about Tiger. We'll talk about crowd control in general. Uh, we'll talk about Bubba. Bubba back on the map. The lefty takeover continues as Bubba gets his first win in a while. Um, and then we'll preview the Honda Classic at PGA National where uh, we're done with the, the West Coast Swing. It's over. We're on to the East Coast, um, and we got a lot to preview. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. So before we kick off, I think uh, to review the Genesis Open, it, it feels worthwhile to to mention Bill Haas uh, involved in a, a serious car accident yeah. um, before the event, uh, an accident that that took a life. Bill is fortunately okay uh, physically. Uh, withdrew from the tournament, returned home. Um, you know, obviously a few things to to work out and, and get over before he comes back. But glad he's okay. Hope to see him back on tour. Uh, sad thing that definitely uh, not the not the most positive run up to the tournament. But thinking of you, Bill, and and wishing wishing him uh, you know calm in this tough time. Yeah, it was a, a sad thing to see. It was actually a crazy coincidence, right? Because the car he was in was the Ferrari. Um, and then the car that they hit um, was like Luke Wilson, the actor, yeah. was riding in that car. So like, obviously, incredibly sad because you know, there was a loss of life there. But um, like an insane coincidence. I remember reading the the headline, being like, "What?" Like, I, it didn't yeah. make any sense. So I don't know. Joy riding in a Ferrari in public streets is is never really a good idea. This is a good uh, indicator as to why that is. But um, did we hear anything about his injuries? Like, is he? Can he? I think he's. I think he's fine. Um, I think the the driver, uh, the car made you know crash into a pole or something, and uh, on the driver's side. So I think he's he's more or less fine. I think he uh, physically. I think yeah. he, he was a family friend. He was staying with this guy, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the week, and uh, you know, I guess they had some sort of relationship, and um, yeah. So he's obviously going to take a little bit of time, but. Uh, hopefully to hopefully see him out again in in short order. The actual golf. Um, so, geez, I got heavy guys. Wow. It, well, you know, it felt it felt appropriate. <laughs> All right. The, we don't make the news. We just report on it. Exactly. Comment on it. That's yeah. That's right. Um, nice. All right. So let's talk about golf. Dave, cheer you up, Tiger. Um, Tiger is always the story, at least he will be for the foreseeable future. He, uh, you know, this is where he made his PGA debut. So there are a lot of fun old Tiger clips of, uh, you know, Mike Tirico on Sports Center talking like in 1992 about high school Tiger. 
making his debut at Riviera. Pretty funny clip of Tiger. He shoots like even par, and they interview him after the round. He's like, "Yeah, no, I played terribly and like shot par." And it's it's just a it's just Tiger has seemingly never changed. Uh, same kid when he was 17 as he is as he is now. Um, but he did so. He birdied the first hole on Thursday and didn't do a lot after that. Um, got cut. Was never really in it. Um, what are you gonna do? This is sort of I think the new normal probably where uh, he's he's just back to the pack a little bit. He you know certainly brings excitement, but you're gonna see just from yeah. a skill and uh, a skill perspective and where he finishes perspective, he's just gonna be more mortal than we are accustomed to seeing. And this is part of it. Good players get cut every week, and this week was Tiger's week. Yeah, I mean the the media frenzy around Tiger is always going to be um, overhyped, I guess. You know, like like any other player, and we've talked about it on the pod. Like, you know, what we want to see versus what like is realistic to see. And I think um, in this case, reality kind of set in. So, you know, is it is it a bad showing? Um, you know, I guess for Tiger probably, um, but. He is clawing his way back into competitive golf. It's a hard thing to get back into. So seeing him miss the cut, eh, it's never fun. But you know, I don't know that you can. I don't think you can like write the guy off at this point. We we we'll have to we'll have to see. Uh, we'll get into this in a second. But like, there's the hype itself. You know, is that something that's affecting Tiger in a negative way? Is it is it bad that <laughs> every week he shows up to a tournament? Um, you know, he's leading the news cycle on that. Uh, on that front, will he win? Will he make the cut? Will he not? Like most players, don't have to deal with that. This is Tiger, of course, but normally he's he's used to having, um, you know, well, certainly being in the press. But uh, the questions really weren't there before. So yeah, the press isn't isn't anything new to Tiger, Mike. You know, I, I you're talking about a guy who used to line up, you know, and start a tournament and play a tournament, and he's got like 15 women. And he's got to keep a secret in his back pocket. Like I, I don't think the pressure is getting to him like that. You know, I, I'm, I'm just coming from a, from a, from a, a mental toughness standpoint. This is a guy who screams mental toughness. I, I, I don't think it's all the hype that that's getting to him. Do you think it's more of a skill thing, or he just doesn't have it anymore? Or you know, we're talking about Tiger guys. He's the most celebrated, talked about player there is. It, it is kind of hard to say. You know. The Tiger Woods can't handle the media, right? But it's just, it's a, I guess there's so much attention, there's so many fans, there's so much focus on everything the guy does now that he's, now that he's healthy again and playing again. You know, is that something that's a distraction? I don't know. I mean, Rory made some comments about it, saying that it's costing him like two shots around. Um, yeah, we'll and, get into that. Let's save that for. Yeah, yeah. For but my point is, is like, eh, yeah, it's Tiger, but, you know, he's, he's being re released into the wild. He's an injured fawn, and it's Tiger Palooza. You are just <laughs> dropping some killer puns on us, Mike. Clawing <laughs> his way back, he's back in the wild. Got any others? He's no, gonna be on the prowl this week at the bear trap. Yeah. Um, no, so so he. I don't. Know, I think this is just new normal for Tiger. This this objectively not a good performance for him. He missed the cut by four strokes. Um, he was only one shot ahead of Smiley, so you know you're struggling when you're you're only beating Smiley by one. Smiley's so. army strong. Yes. <laughs> Smiley's army. Um, okay, so we, let's Smiley's see. Um, he played in a killer group uh, with JT and Rory. We'll talk about that, like I said, a little bit later. Um, after Friday, our leaders were Patrick Cantlay, uh, Sam Saunders, and Graham McDowell sharing the lead. Uh, Graham sighting. We don't right? see enough of Graham these days. It's good to so see good him to up see there. Him. 
we're getting a lot Graham of like now. we're getting uh we're getting some blasts from the past we had Graham, we had retief goosen a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. it's always fun to see someone kind of pop up out of nowhere and uh fortunately Graham couldn't really keep it together he finished t26 uh Cantley finished fourth had a really good week um all these snapper giant you think Graham is getting fired up for the Ryder Cup? Maybe that's part of it. <laughs> Not no. Coming out of the woodwork? No, he's at, he's nowhere near Ryder Cup anymore. He's, he's kind of been a couple of top tens, you know. Who knows? This was not uh, a top ten, but we can we can make a, a wager on whether Graham is part of the Ryder Cup discussion later if you want. <laughs> he, I don't think he'll be anywhere near Fair. anywhere Fair near. Enough. But I could I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, Folks that got cut, uh, Ollie, Kyle Stanley, Gig Harbor, Washington, Keegan, Siwoo, Jimmy Walker, Bo Hostler, Mark Leishman, Johnny Vegas, your favorite golfer, Ted Potter Jr., nowhere near the cut this week. Ted. Uh, Billy, Billy Horschel, Tiger, Smiley, and Daniel Berger. Um, Daniel Berger is your weekly reminder that golf is hard. Nine over for the oh. Berger. Brutal. Brutal. Um, Andrew Loop, Vinny Poncino, and Charlie Belgian tied for DFL at 15 over. Andrew Loop now, I think he's our first multiple-time DFL champ for the week. So, Andrew doing his thing. Hopefully, Andrew can turn it around a little bit. Um, Some notables for the tournament. Um, Ches Revy, we talked about last week. Uh, He was the hottest golfer in the world. He finished 73rd, came back to earth a little bit. Uh, Bryson, Charlie Hoffman, and Pat Perez, T41. Fleetwood making his first stateside appearance of the year, 37th. Uh, Rory and Kevin Chappell, 20th. DJ, 16th. JT Zander Speed, 9th. Adam Hadwin uh, and Hall of Famer Phil Mickelson, T6. Uh, so Phil continues his top 10 run, um, kind of showing, showing people like, uh, like Tiger and Graham McDowell and others who want to kind of be back in the discussion how it's done. He... He's playing great. He he did an interview, um, his post round um, on Sunday, and he basically said it was kind of a funny comment. I'm interested in your guys' opinion on this. They were talking about you know how well he's playing, how well he's playing, and he said, "I need to win before Augusta in order to feel like I'm an actual contender." There, he's like, "I'm playing really good. My game's sharp. You know, I'm getting top tens. I'm driving and putting in a in a much better way than I have in recent years, but I need to win." Um, you know, it, it is, it's easy to forget. He has not won since 2013. Um, back when you and I lived together, like it's been a long time. Um, and you have to wonder if this is beginning to be a thing for him. You would think that someone with, I think almost 50 wins, he's got his five majors that Phil is probably the last person that needs like the confidence boost of an actual W and would be able to say, I'm playing well, I'm doing the things I want to be doing. Um, I'll put myself in a position to win, and maybe that experience will sort of win the day over someone with less experience. But it sounds like he has a different approach. He's like, I need to get a W to feel right going into into Augusta. I thought it was odd. I mean, I, I, I certainly can appreciate what he's trying to what he's trying to do. You know, when you when you pull it all together and get a win, I think you're proving both to yourself and um, you know to the people around you that you know what you're doing is working. Um, and it's 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 you know, not in need of a change. You know, Phil's a guy that's made a lot of big changes in his game, in his support structure around him. Right, he switched caddies. He's, um, you know, he, he's. I think he's transitioning to a more um, a bigger life, maybe at home and personally. Right, he had that 
he skipped the U.S. Open, and like there was a lot of questions of is he sunsetting his career a little bit? And you know, you could look at some of the performances week to week last year, maybe make that assumption. But the guy seems to have brought his A game back to uh, 2018. So immediately the question is, can he win again? Can he win another major? Can he win at Augusta, a place that he you know has had a lot of success? Um, I understand the. The statement. I'm not necessarily sure that he needs a win in order to contend there, but you know, maybe it's something for him personally. It's like, look, I need to reset and prove that you know what I have done in the off season is working, and I can actually win against my peers out there. And to your point, it's been a while, but um, he's playing well enough to win, but getting it over that line—that's that's a that's a different story. But getting yeah. it over the line, Mike, is a completely different thing. It's a completely different mindset. Again, I, I can only take it from a from a you know, maybe not so golf perspective, but let me let me give you some 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 bar night perspective, okay? Mm. Me to me, Phil is the guy right now who you know, let's call him the opener. He can play with the best of them. He can put himself in contention, but he's not that guy at the end of the night that's going to close it out and bring her home. You know what I'm saying? He is literally. He's not John Rocker coming in in the ninth and finishing it out right now. That's me. And, that, and, that, and that's a mentality, and that's a, it's a learned thing. It's, it's not necessarily, oh, I'm playing my best golf. You can put yourself in contention, but you will not win unless you have that killer mentality, whatever it is. I don't know. I, I'm not the guy. I just, I, you guys, what are your thoughts? I, I don't know. I guess my point is, like, I don't know that if Phil doesn't win before Augusta, that, that he's no longer in contention to win at Augusta. Because he materializes there, and he can. He's done incredible things there. I think it's independent of his PGA Tour performance, right? Um, Phil in majors has always been this weird enigma, right? Like he had that thing for a while. You're right; he couldn't close. He would choke down the stretch and did that for a while until he won a major, right? And then he won another, and then he won another. And it's like the guy. I, to me, it's confusing because I think he's definitely good enough. His game certainly has withstood the test of time. Um, it's not like he's coming back from an injury. There's nothing really there's nothing really went wrong. He's not struggling, for example, with a particular part of his game um, that's you know causing him to fall out of contention. I think getting the win is more of a psychological thing, obviously, but I don't know that it's a necessity for him to compete um, you know in, in in Augusta. I don't know. Yeah, this, this analogy is like going back to your college bar, right? Where you used to do your thing routinely, and now you're like, oh, I'm too old. Am I, am I past it? Like, are people not? I don't know. Like, I, I don't. Phil just doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to be, you know, two off the lead on Sunday at Augusta, and in his head, he's like, oh, shit, man. Like, I, uh, I haven't won in a while. Like, this, uh, I'm yeah. not up for this moment. I mean, when he's won, he's won there three times. And he's, I mean, other than Tiger, no one in the field will have as many green jackets as him. Um, and as far as just pressure situations, like, if he's, you know, he's in the final group with, like, Patrick Cantlay, like, I mean, what do you think Cantlay's going to be thinking? Like, I've never been in this moment. Like, what if I rinse my ball on 12? Like, Speef, like, am I prepared? Like, he's going to have so much going through his head, whereas Phil's kind of like, yeah, I've done this. I've played, you know, 100 rounds at Augusta here. I know every nook and cranny in this place, and I know I can do it. Mm-hmm. I know if I put a ball in the woods, I can get up and down from yeah. here. Like, no one else has that confidence. So I thought it was strange just to hear him say, like, I, I need to win. It wasn't like it would be nice to win. 
Um, there's only like three or four events between now and the Masters. He's not playing this week. So I don't yeah. know. He's going to either go, he either thinks he's going to go win a golf, uh, a WGC event in Mexico. Okay. Um, or and I don't have the I don't have the, the tournament list in front of me, but um, it's not like there's a ton of events here. I think there's the Shell and the Valero and in Texas, and and that might be it. So I don't know. It, it was just a uh, it was a kind of odd comment to me. Maybe it was just a misstatement. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he's playing well, and and I certainly think that he should be on the list of people we think about as having a decent chance of winning in Augusta and it seems that if he is mentally all there and the game is there that he should be a force no question alright so as to the people who uh, the thin group of people who finished ahead of Hall of Famer Phil Nicholson uh, Kevin Na and Tony Finau uh, tied for second these are two very likable guys I am, uh, I'm a big Kevin Na guy um, you know he got his 16 and he handled it um, he also had that thing when he had the yips and he like couldn't pull the trigger um, yeah he was like yelling at himself, and that was kind of bad. Like the way that we're, you know, we're we're mad at JB Holmes right now for how long he took to hit. People are kind of mad at Kevin Nunn, saying, "Look, it's you have a thing to work out on your own, and you need to go do that." But this is not fair to your playing partner. Right. It is not fair to the viewing public for you to be like yelling at yourself and like not put together on the course. He's totally put that behind him. Um, you know, seems to be like whatever mental issue that was seems to to be in the past for him. Um, you know, brought his adorable daughter on to the interview after after the round. Uh, he's playing well. I've always liked him. It was good to see him out there. And he was kind of, you know, last year we're saying, like, oh, we love Charlie Hoffman. He's hitting driver off the deck. Kevin Nod just swinging, like, 200 miles an hour on the 17th hole yesterday, trying to make something happen, pick up an eagle and, and catch Bubba. You know, going for it. Uh, he's not a guy with $100 million in his back pocket. He's... You know, the difference between second place money and fifth place money, probably meaningful to him. Um, but he was going for it. Love to see it. Uh, Tony Finau, uh, speaking of swings, Tony Finau with the, the very odd, like, two-thirds backswing and then pound it. Yeah, <laughs> in the I don't understand thing. how he generates the amount of power he does. He hits it as far as anyone. Yeah. Um, but uh, he played well, too. I know people have kind of looked at Finau for a couple of years as someone who could maybe make the leap and be kind of in that fringy U.S. Ryder Cup team um, discussion. Uh, you know, look good this week. I like those two guys. Um, I'm sure they'll get their breakthroughs, but good moment for them. Uh, but they, they could not catch Bubba. The lefty takeover continues. We got we got TPJ winning last week. Brian Harmon's playing well. Uh, Phil using the middle bay at the driving range, defying society, who tries to force us to the right. Um, and then Bubba wins this week. Um, we uh, uh, first we of all, don't... what's going on with Bubba's physique? Has he lost like eighty pounds? Yeah, they were talking after like the the round, like oh, he had considered retirement, blah blah blah. I guess he had what? some health stuff last year, and they were saying that he'd lost like ten or fifteen pounds. He was on some like weird diet. He's always been like really thin. He's not, uh, you know, he's no one will confuse him with. Brooks Kepka or, or Rory or anything. Not thin though. Um, he always kind of like he always kind of had like the dad bod going on. And like he's got spaghetti arms and a sunken chest. You could eat a bowl of cereal. Out of it. <laughs> is not hot. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a he's not a three hundred pound benching relatable athlete like you, Dave. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. You know, we threw a lot of shade on Bubba for the last few weeks, and I, I, I should be the first one to apologize. You know, we, we were uh, we were coming at him pretty hard in the in the previous podcast, so 
I said he, I said he, uh, he like fell out of, I fell out of love with him. He, uh, I used to love him. Now I don't. And he, um, you're a weird guy. I mean, he like, even now, like he, uh, so on Friday, you know, he's playing pretty well. He goes and plays in like the celebrity event, uh, at the NBA all-star game. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, uh, I, I was, I was watching the game. Um, had a had a really raucous Friday night. I was watching this celebrity event on my couch, and Bubba Watson, you know, brings that weak shit down the lane, and T Mac just throws him into the twentieth row. Um, and he's kind of like goofing around. He's like hanging out with Bieber, and he's just like trying too hard. I'm just looking at him like I don't like this guy. Then you watch him play, and he shapes the ball in in such a funny, unique way. He's, his swing is so weird. Um, he's all self taught. Blah, blah blah. He gets this win. He starts crying. He's all emotional. He's talking to, you know, Peter Costas, like, I almost retired. Like, people don't understand how much this means to me. Like, I never thought I'd get 10 wins. And you're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, poor guy. Like, glad he's made it and glad he's happy now. And then today I see, like, the, you know, clips on the Internet of, like, his actual post-press conference. And he's just like, 10 wins. Like, you guys realize, like, the quality of players on the tour is so strong. Like, getting 10 wins is, like, a huge deal and, like, blah, blah, blah. And it was like... He was trying to say, like, I'm very proud of myself. But even then, he just came off like a, like a yeah. jackass. And it's like, I don't, I don't get it what it is with this guy. Like, he, his delivery is so bad. If he could just be like, he made a comment. He's like, no one ever thought that Bubba Watson was going to win 10 times in the tour, right? Like, that's true. And that could be like, hey, man, this is actually like a, a big moment in your career. And we should stop and we should acknowledge you. Instead, he just kind of makes it like, I'm self-taught. I'm from Baghdad, Florida. And just like... You all may not think this is a big deal, but it is because you don't understand how good everybody is. And, like, you know, 10 wins is yeah. big to me. And if you don't put me in the Hall of Fame, I don't care. And it was like, what? Like, yeah. dude, you're, thir- you're 39. Like, you make, like, millions of dollars a year. You're not some, like, you know what I mean? This isn't some, like, you know, you're not Rocky. Like, you, you are a two-time major champion. You're going to the Hall of Fame based on the rules we've talked about. Like, chill out. I, I just... I, I want to like him, and I liked him for, like, three minutes on Sunday, and then he just, like, opens his mouth, and it's, like, I just don't dig it. I don't. I, like, if he's if he's back and he's going to, like, contribute and be on the Ryder Cup and get points for us and, and you know, do funky stuff, like, great, but just, like, I, I don't know. I just... Uh, yeah, he needs to just have the microphone taken away from him. Like, it's... it's, it's he's... We joke about the you know, the IMG machine. But the reason companies like that exist Drink. is that they can tailor athletes to understand how to talk in a way that makes them marketable and likable um, to everybody. Like, you go back in time and you look at, you know, the, the, the legends of the game, like before the modern era, right? Um, Nicholas, Palmer, Player... Um, you go down that list, Kite, like, they had a- attitudes and personalities, but they were never, like, subjected to the same amount of coverage for the, for the length of time that they are now. You have to be aware of what you're saying because it affects your marketability. And Bubba Watson's a guy that should be universally loved because his story is a great one. Um, he's an incredibly talented player. He's fun to watch when he does play because he's a, he's a risk taker, sort of a swashbuckling type of player. But you're right. It's very hard to be a fan of Bubba Watson. He makes it hard to be a fan. And, you know, <laughs> we criticize him a lot, but it's going to hurt him in the long run, right? Like, 
see you later career in the booth, see you later, you know, future endorsement deals and all the stuff that you, and maybe he doesn't care about any of that, but, you know, if you are a fan of Bubba Watson, you should care about that. You should, you should want him to be a little bit more, have a little bit more of a grasp, you know, on his own emotions and understand that, you know, where he is and what he's saying, who he's saying it to. Um, self-awareness would do that guy um, a huge favor. Well, they asked him, like, what would you do if you retired? And he was like, oh, I have, like, a car dealership, a candy factory, and, like, a minor league baseball team. Like, I'd be busy. And I was like, yeah, bro, cool. You have, like, so much money. You're sick. Like, yeah. I, I don't uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about this Bubba guy. Um, Bubba picked up $1.296 million. Um, a Hyundai Genesis G90 starts at sixty eight grand. Um, I did not... I did not know that. Um, Bubba can go by 19 of them if he wants to replace the General <laughs> Lee with his money. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't expect a Hyundai to be 70 grand. Dude, the Hyundais are they're, they're moving up in the world. Apparently. Um, grades. Uh, I get a C. Um, we both took DJ. DJ was, was 16th. Uh, didn't really do a lot. Kind of like existed this week. He was never in the lead. He was never out of it. He was just kind of there. Um, I had Hao Tong Lee uh, finishing DFL. He made the cut 53rd, um, so, you know, fine. Uh, you had Bads going DFL, and Bads was T14. God damn so it. When we chirp people, they, I think more they people, I think more, I think more tour players listen to us than we realize. I agree. I, agree. I think they all, hey, the entire tour listens. Well, we got they, coming on the line. Who wants to talk to Mike? <laughs> Um, all right. So I want to talk about crowd control um, for a couple minutes here. We were talking about this. Um, Tiger on Thursday, Friday was paired with JT and Rory, and you can imagine there was a huge gallery for that. Um, and there was. They asked, uh, they asked JT about it. His quote, yeah, it was pretty wild this first couple days. It was all right for a little bit today. But there at the end, it just got a little out of hand. I guess it's part of it now, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't. I wish people didn't think it was so amusing to yell and all that stuff while we're trying to hit shots and play. I don't know. I guess they think it's funny. It might be funny to them. And obviously, people think of it differently. And I could just be overreacting. When people are now starting to time it wrong and get in people's swings, it is com- it's just completely unacceptable, really. We're out here playing for a lot of money, a lot of points, a lot of things can happen. You just hate to have, hate to see in the future. Something happened down the line because of something like that. And they asked Rory about it, and Rory said that the crowd chaos costs Tiger half a shot a day. I swear, playing in front of all that, he gives up half a shot a day on the field. Like it's two shots a tournament he has to give to the field because of all that goes on around him. Just the whole thing, you've got a six-foot putt and guys say, it doesn't break as much as you think. Just stuff like this, they don't have to say, you know, whoever's teeing off at 8.30 in the morning doesn't get that. He just go about his business and do his thing. This is tough. He has to deal with that every single time he goes out to play. It's tiring. I need a couple Advil just to, I've got a headache after all of that. Yeah, it was interesting that you said that about Tiger because the criticism was the other way around for a long, long time with Tiger. That the support that the fans showed him was disproportionate to everybody else in the golf course. So, you know, while Tiger had a million people watching him, they were relatively well behaved while he was out there. And then they would run to the next hole you know, completely oblivious to whatever else was going on the golf course. And, like, if you were in and around Tiger's group, you kind of had to deal with that. Um, so it's interesting that, like, now, you know, now he, he's, he's sort of understanding the, the, 
the position that the other players were in for all those years. I'm not sure, maybe two shots, maybe, maybe, maybe. But I, I don't know if it's that disruptive at this point. Of course, you know, yeah. it's hard to hear on TV, but... Um, How valid is that, Mike? To your point, I mean, Tiger was number one for all those years. He had all, you know, he mm-hmm. had all the gallery for the most part. Yeah. Do you really think he lost a couple shots around or whatever it is? Not Did back really- then, no way. Because, I mean, like, there's... No there's- way, he, like, egged it on. Like, that playoff yeah. against Bob May, like... That was like a road game. Like whenever you were playing against Tiger, it was like it was right. part of why I didn't like him. It just like felt unfair. Right. So um, I don't know where this is coming from. I and mean, maybe maybe the fans nowadays, Tiger, you know, it doesn't hold the same. Um, certainly doesn't hold the same stature that he that he used to. And there's other players that people like. There's also the other aspect of you know what's been encouraged by other <laughs> websites and podcasts for people to get on TV. You know, say some obnoxious shit or whatever the, the, the catchphrase of the week is and hope that you get on camera and, you know, you get drunk at the event with your pals and, like, all of a sudden, one or two guys can disrupt the event. And that's not okay. Um, but it's interesting that they're saying this because it's, you know, we're not at those events every week, but it's got to be a recurring event enough that they're, they're now talking to the press about this becoming a, you know, a chronic issue in the uh, on the tour, I mean JT is not like a baby. Like we've no. never known him to say anything whiny or out of line. You know he's always been like I played poorly or you know whatever. Um, and for him to be like yeah, like and JT is like one of the young people who's all over Snapchat and everyone likes him and everyone likes him right now. The you know Space and Asset Three Wood T-shirts flying off the shelves and and like the. JT is a young positive voice for the game, and if he's out there being like, "Hey, y'all are fucking annoying," <laughs> like right. cap it, you know, there's got to be some validity to that. I, I, uh, I, I hope that now that I hope there's a little bit of like self policing that goes on. Um, it doesn't need to be, you know, McCarthyism out there, but like the marshals need to be like, "Hey, like give someone a point when they yell and be like, I have my eye on you,' and we will ask you to leave um, if you keep it up." Um, hopefully, there's just a way to a way to rein it in a little bit because um, it does it does feel like it's right. a little out of control. Yeah, they got to do something about it because if it, it it's gonna it's gonna ultimately it'll crescendo in a major event. Someone yells something, they're gonna hear it on the camera, and it'll become a become a thing. And we'll look back on that event and be like, what the fuck? Like was was that part of the reason why? so-and-so missed that four-footer and if it is it's too bad because you can say all you want about golfers need to harden up and it's you know every other sport you have to deal with it but golf is is different in that sense and if you have an expectation for the environment and what it's supposed to be and then some dickhead decides it's going to be his day um you know he wants the the limelight on him uh that that is not good for the tour it's it's not good for viewership it's going to affect the outcome of events in a negative way, so they've got to do something to rein it in. I mean, and Mike, to, to your, I guess to your point as well, viewership, you know, I, I think we're starting to get people who wouldn't necessarily watch golf as golf becomes more mainstream and more popular, people who don't necessarily understand the etiquette, and, like, I, I hate to bring up the whole Happy Gilmore thing. You get more colorful players you're going to get more colorful fans and you know you're going to have people off of the green on 18 how am I supposed to putt with that going on type stuff you know what I mean I think mm-hmm. it's it's kind of inherent in 
you know, the all walks of life starting to enjoy the sport. So, agreed. Agreed. It's a thin target. Um, I mean, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, democratize the game and make it accessible to all while still, you know, maintaining the level of of decorum that you want? It's a tricky thing. I think this will just be a function of, you know, the marshals and stuff. keeping tabs on people and look I think if the players say like I hate it you know and it's a popular player like like Justin Thomas you know people will respond to that this isn't um, you know this isn't someone on the Hardo squad saying they don't like it it's it's a well-liked guy and maybe that will uh, that will be taken to heart um, by the fans and hopefully it will agreed all right Honda classic preview stump Mike <laughs> my favorite segment <laughs> you are uh, Mike is as mentioned in Montreal the 2007 President's Cup was played at Royal Montreal um, if I'd known you back then we could have driven up to Montreal and had a little fun birthday weekend um, so go easy on St. Catherine Street up there you're a, <laughs> you're a married man after all um, Stump Mike who led the United States in points that week with 4.5 what year was it? 2007? Yep. 4.5 points in the President's Cup in 2007. Ooh. Phil Mickelson. David Toms. Who we David discussed, Toms! Our who we boy. discussed last week. Yeah. I, I'm, I hope people appreciate how often these come full circle because it, it definitely cracks me up. But yeah, David Toms, um, how appropriately. He led the team with 4.5 out of 5. Uh, Scott Verplank out of nowhere with a four out of four that week for the U.S. He's Verplank? Um, Scott Verplank. And uh, Canada's own Mike Weir beat Tiger in their singles match because it was an international event, and Tiger doesn't care about those. Okay. PJ National, um, colloquially known as the Bear Trap, par 70, 7,100 yards. Ricky Fowler is your defending champ. We have 10 of the top 25 in the official World Golf Rankings. Uh, headline this week, JT, Rory, Ricky, uh, Sergio making his first U.S. appearance of 2018. And Tiger will be there. Um, also in the field, Daniel Berger, Keegan Bradley, and Luke Donald, who I'm pretty sure live here. This is their home course, so no excuses for them. Um Duffner, Fleetwood, Brian Harmon, Tyrell Hatton, um, exciting English player that we we talk about. I think I've talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone who we expect to to be on the team in Paris and kind of in that Fleetwood pile of up and comer. Uh, Russell Henley won here in 2014 in a, a fun playoff over Rory. Uh, birthday boy Kevin Kisner, Patton Kazire, Shane Lowry, uh, Louis Hayes and Adam Scott, Johnny Vegas, Jimmy Walker, and Gary Woodland. Um, I mentioned Shane Lowry because one of the, hard, the most I've ever laughed watching a PGA Tour event uh, was this tournament in 2016. They showed, they were like just starting the coverage and they go right to the bear trap and they show Smiley and Shane Lowry and Smiley puts his ball in the water. Then they go to Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry hits the ball and they're kind of following the ball in the air. So you can't, it's not behind, it's not behind the players. So you can't see that the ball is going right and in the water. You just see a swing, and then you just hear, like, <laughs> he's like, oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Fuck. And, like, the ball lands very close to a microphone that's near the pond. 
So it's like the loudest splash you've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's see if we can work this clip in in, uh, in editing departments. I know it's on the internet. Um, and if we can't, just Google Shane Lowry Bear Trap. So um, other point, uh, Seamus is, uh, he's not on the field website, um, but I saw on his Instagram that he's definitely there. So I don't know if he's like qualifying or, or what's going on, you know, doing the Monday thing to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, all eyes on Seamus all the time. And if he's in the field, I think he'll play well. This course has, uh, for some odd reason, kind of been welcoming to um, European players. Um, you know, Lowry has had success here in the past. I know that uh, Graham McDowell's played here well in the past, too. So I, I just got a good feeling about Seamus this week. Uh, if he makes the field, let Seamus play, free Seamus. Um, one of the third and we were mentioning Billy Hurley the 30s because he made a hilarious fake attack ad against Jordan Spieth. Um, the players elected their chairman of the Players Advisory Council. I guess they were both running. Um, Billy Hurley made a, an attack ad that was like Jordan Spieth, like a draconian tyrant who like is unrelatable to people and like yells at his caddy and it shows the clip of him like yelling wish, at Michael yeah, like go get that. Yeah, I wish we were back in Boston because we could we could run this clip live and, and kind of commentate on it. But it was pretty brilliant. Like it's a classic, you know, political attack ad against Jordan Spieth about being an elitist who <laughs> yeah. he wasn't a man of the people and like Billy Hurley, who I did not know was like a he was in the the military. And yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, I didn't know that, uh, which is pretty cool. But it was yeah, it was brilliant. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's 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 well done. Um, there's yeah, like he, an Under Armour he, commercial where Spieth is like, you know, I just, when I'm out there, like, I don't care what other people think. And they like cut out the first part. So it's just like, do we want this man to be our yeah. player rep? And Jordan Spieth's like, I don't care what other people think. Yeah. <laughs> and, then it, and then it's like, liar. <laughs> like, you know, this like big spot. Yeah. <laughs> it is so funny. Uh, go check it out if you can. Um, Hat tip to a couple of our listener friends, uh, Matt and Jim, for sending that one along. I was uh, I was late to the party, but appreciate them sharing it. Um, oh, other random hat tip. Dottie, patron saint Dottie. You see her today on Instagram? In the pod, Dottie. Yeah. She, we posted a picture of W and JT um, and, you know, put a dozen hashtags on or whatever, and, and Dottie rightly called us out for not hashtagging the Walker Cup. Why she's the best in the biz, man. She. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what we would do without her. For us always. We would get the most out of us. You know, she knows our potential. I think she's just trying to, you know, to shepherd us to the, you know, to the, to the mecca of the, the pod. Yeah. I. Patron like, Saint Dottie. That's it. Thank you, Dottie. Um. Uh. Hardo Patrol this week. Um. The, the, the squad is incomplete. Bubba is not playing. Bubba is going to Waffle House or whatever. He does in his free time. Um, so the Heart of Patrol is three-fourths full. Um, Bryson, Horstel, and J.B. Holmes. Uh, the Hardo quota, though, is being backfilled by Ian Poulter. He will be there. So we have we have a foursome of Hardos. They can all play together. Um, my pick. Um, well, actually, we should talk about the course for like a minute or two. I think everyone knows... Uh, the bear trap. It is. Um, it doesn't look like it should be that hard. Like when they sh- when they present it on on TV, it's like two par threes and a kind of reachable par four. Not reachable, but like normally length par four. And yet, I think since in the last like eight tournaments, like a thousand balls or something have gone in the water. 
Um, I mean, people <laughs> fall apart in the bear trap. It's really, uh, it's wild. Like, it, it shouldn't be. They're like 150-yard par threes, uh, long and left, and uh, I don't know. Just, like, it, it, it messes with people. It eats people up. Yeah, I think I think it's got a reputation for that, and it's similar to like the seventeenth at Sawgrass, where if you were to encounter that hole anywhere else or on a ring, like paint a circle right at a hundred and whatever it was, hundred forty-five yards out there, not a tour player on on the circuit that wouldn't drill that one hundred times out of a hundred, right? But all of a sudden, right. you see other guys in front of you splashing it, right? You you know the reputation of this golf course. Um, so in the same way, I think the bear trap has got, has grown a reputation. So guys are they're thinking about that on the plane there, right? And so then they they hear about it, they see it. It's going to be on Sports Center or Golf Channel, and um, I don't know. It's just you, you, those short irons can be a little bit dicey in those moments. I, I love watching it though; it is fun. Yeah, you wonder if it just becomes a thing that like I don't know. If I like put a thought in your head, right? Like, don't think about. Don't think about popcorn. Right. Like, what are, you, what are you doing right now? You're thinking about popcorn. So if you're like, oh, the bear trap, like, you're going to hit the ball in the water. <laughs> Everyone kind of walks into the tee, even though it's like a, you know, soft eight iron, and they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're missing their target. It's, uh, it's a wild spectacle, and no real lead is safe there, um, making this for a very, a very fun event. We have a um, pretty good history of, of past winners. Um, Ricky, Adam Scott, Padraig Harrington. Russell Henley, Rory's won it, uh, Ernie's won it, it's uh, Cooch won it way back when. So you kind of get all all types of players, you know, bombers, gougers, kind of more surgical players like like Henley, um, you know, and Ernie. So it's uh, it's kind of a wide open event every year. Um, so I wavered on this. I wasn't sure who to go with. I was thinking JT, um, but I think per the per our point about the fans can kind of get on people. Um, they pack them in around, right around the bear trap, actually. This was mentioned a couple weeks ago as a place for, like, the crowd's really on top of you. Right. Um, I bet one or two people will give JT some lip this week. I think as much as he is liked, people don't like being scolded and spoken down to by the players. Um, so I, I could see JT... Uh, you know, maybe not having his best week. I'm going to go with Ricky. Ricky's a defending champion. Um, I took the defending champion last week and, you know, mixed results. Um, but this kind of feels like a Ricky event to me. Um, big, not huge. Um, you know, decent field, not ridiculous field. Um, if he's not paired up with Tiger, we, we haven't seen the pairings yet, but um, unless he is, and maybe he will be, but I could see him kind of quietly going about his business on the first couple of days going low. He lives nearby, which I think is, you know, kind of overplayed, but he definitely plays a lot of grass, or a lot of tournaments with sort of similar grass and similar course layouts and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he didn't play last week, so maybe he's well-rested, uh, and he's Mr. Consistency, so for no one sort of acute reason, but for many um, kind of, you know, half-baked reasons, I'm taking Ricky this week. It's a good call. Ricky's, um, it's a, I think it's an event you can play really well, and I, I liked your first your first thought on on Rory. Um, I think this is the event he's really going to come charging back. There's been there's been far too long uh, between uh, dominant performances for for Rory, and I think um, yeah, I think this is an opportunity for him to really charge back. As we move forward in the season, these events are getting the fields are getting better and better and better. This is 
one of the best so far this year. So I don't know. The, everything about this golf, everything about this event, from the golf course to the setting to the field, to me, just speaks to um, a moment where Rory's going to step up and remind us all um, of the player that he actually that he actually is. You know, one of my favorite. Uh one of my favorite like shots that I can remember watching from from the living room le- recently was uh, Rory in I want to say like 2014. So I guess it wasn't so recent. Um, he was like one back on the uh, the 18th, and he has he pounds this drive, and he has and it's kind of like it's not like an island green on 18, but it's protected mm-hmm. uh, short, long, and right. Um, it's like a peninsula green, and he hits a five wood from like 240. And he needs it, and he just absolutely needs it. And they're like, you know, how's he going to get this on there? And Johnny Miller's like, let's see if he can hit this power fade. Just perfect Rory swing, you know, hitting this thing off the deck, holds the finish. And the ball's, the camera's kind of following the ball in the air. You have no idea where it's going. And then plants like 10 feet, doesn't move, crowd goes nuts. Um, he didn't make the eagle pup. He made birdie to, uh, to force a playoff. It's uh, vintage Rory. It was one of those moments that made me really, really like him. Um, it's the sort of shot that I dream of hitting. So yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, he's won here before, so he's he's certainly a, uh, a fine pick. Um, my DFL uh, is a guy named John Curran. Um, John Curran is from Hopkinton, Massachusetts. Right. Uh, well, I did not know that. Um, I'd never heard of him, and maybe that's just a shame on me. Um, he was the runner-up at the Memorial in 2016, apparently. So maybe I should have heard of him. I don't but, think many people have heard of him. Uh, yeah, I feel like if you're if you're from Massachusetts, and I yeah, haven't heard of you, I've really used good, Sorry, he's a really good local player. Um, I knew about him just because I, when I was younger, um, he was like the kid that would just dominate all the local events, right? Like crush it. Like he was sort of a step above anybody in Massachusetts at the time, and. Um, yeah, there's a couple friends of the pod that actually know him, and um, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll see if we can pull that. But yeah, he's been sort of Whoa. bumping around in the bottom part of the tour, and yeah. Not after he finds out he was DFL on Matt's list. <laughs> yeah, that's no, Matt's I, uh, list, not my list. Yeah, no, it's this is this is all Matt, and uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm just negging John Curran. I want okay. him to play well and win the tournament, and then we'll get him on because he's you know uh, two degrees of separation away from from the pod, but. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, and yeah, I don't know if being That's a pro fair. from Massachusetts and I don't know who you are is a somewhat gloomy portent to borrow a phrase from my t- favorite TV show. Um, his OD, his OWGR is in the 500. It's 563. By comparison, Tiger's 544. So, you know, when you're below Tiger, uh, uh but no, John Curran, uh, you seem like a nice fella and it sounds <laughs> like you're a friend of friends of the pod. So, uh, when you win, um, feel free to call in and shove it in my dumb, fat face. But for this go. week, I'm picking him for DFL. My DFL, my DFL is going to be uh, Hardo Quota last-minute last edition, edition Ian Poulter. Ooh. Villain of the pod. <laughs> the only member of the Hardo squad that actually knows what he's doing. So he's not a true Hardo in that sense. I think he's just a proper heel. But um, Ian Poulter. It's not been a big week for Ferraris. So it's not going to be a big week for you and Poulter. Oh. <laughs> wow. Too soon? Oh. Maybe a little bit. Hardo Patrol, Mike on Hardo Patrol. <laughs> oh, my God. Shots fired. Shots Ooh. fired. Okay. Shots fired. 
<laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> on that note, um, yeah, this is our first international pod. Uh, we'll be back to our, our fighting form next week with proper uh, proper gear, proper studio. But um, Now, is it true that you did not bring the mixer and the true pod equipment because you didn't want to go through customs? You were I brought worried it to Florida. It... No, I had it in Florida because I was using it for, um, for a different shoot. But it's a lot of gear, and like I was traveling, I didn't want to check anything, so we I checked a giant bag with all kinds of stuff in it, including all that stuff to do Florida. Um, I just didn't, I didn't want to have to wait for my bags and deal with customs and all. That wait, stuff. so is our crap in Florida, or did or it's on its, its way back to Boston right now? Okay, so we'll have it there. Good. We'll be there back home, and uh, yeah, we'll have full capabilities next week. Good, I can't wait. We have uh, this will be a fun <laughs> tournament to kind of break down. It's gonna be great. great. I can't wait. Maybe we can get Dottie to call in. We may. We'll have to reach out. We'll have, we'll have our people talk to her people. Okay. I don't want to overdo <laughs> it with Dottie. Like, we're, this we're is just, we're doing good with Dottie, right? Like things are things are, are, right things, are yeah. things are good right now. I don't want to like overwhelm her, you know. <laughs> yeah. Easy there, Mr. Closer. <laughs> yeah, we'll let it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> first international pod is in the books. We have the Honda Classic coming up this week, and it uh, should be a good one. Find out who's, uh, who's on the right side of history next week. Same time, same place. That's right. For the, for the Alternate Shot Podcast, I am Mike. I'm J. Sweet Matt. And I'm Dave. And we will see you guys next week.